what is justice? It's what it's like in the kingdom. It's how we can align and restore things back into the way that God intended that they should be. You know, we believe that anywhere that the church is, everything should get better, that it should affect all aspects of society because believers have eyes and we, and we should continue to grow to have eyes to see how should this look and, and with the authority that Jesus gives us and with the love that he gives us to bring those things into alignment with the kingdom is really what we're after. Welcome to the Watermark Wesleyan Church Reach and Teach Podcast with your hosts, Randy Johnson and Dan Ward. Hey, welcome back to the Reach and Teach Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dan Ward, joined here by Randy Johnson. How are you doing today, Randy? Couldn't be better, Dan. I've been looking forward to this one for quite a while. Yeah, I have too. Today, we're going to jump into an interview you did with Trevor Kaufman, the campus pastor at our South Creek campus. He was in your role overseeing outreach that whole world for quite a long time and just recently moved into the campus pastor role at South Creek, which he's doing a great job at. So we're going to hear from you and Trevor, and I think people will really enjoy this interview. We are talking with the team at Poetis, which is an organization that we as a church have partnered with for quite a long time. We are joined today by their chief executive officer, Abby Van Piersom, along with her husband and their chief advancement officer, John Van Piersom. And also Will Hill is their chief strategy officer and some big fancy titles there, but these people are really brilliant. You can hear it as they talk about all the things that they do, but more so even what I was impressed with just hearing them talk is their hearts for sharing the gospel with people, for bringing justice, and just all the amazing things that they do. It was really cool to hear a glimpse of. So without too much further ado, we'll jump right in. Randy, were there any kind of highlights for you or anything to be listening for as we check out this interview? I think you said it. I just, their heart is just so right there. And just hearing about, knowing about, and also having Trevor there to, because he's been there so many times, it just to reaffirm that it is really a cool thing we're involved with. And I'm just hoping we get more and more people to connect with them. And so hopefully through this interview, people will take advantage of the opportunities that are coming and use our reach and teach at watermarkwesleyan.com email to connect and see if they want to plug in and even take a trip there. But you'll hear about all that on the interview. Great. All right. Well, let's jump in and uh, let's take a listen. I'm here with Trevor Kaufman, and this has been planned for a couple weeks now. And uh, Trevor, I'd like you to introduce our guest for today. I'm so glad they're here, but I'm going to let you introduce. Yeah, we are here with John and Abby Van Piersom. If I said their last name right, then that's a miracle because um, I never have been able to figure out in all the years I've known them. And then Will Hill as well. And these guys basically run and direct Poetis, organization that we partnered with the past, I don't know, probably 10 years now. And it's just been awesome to be in relationship with them and partnership with them and just see their ministry explode and grow and our engagement with them continue to grow over the time as well. So it's going to be great to hear from them. First, I want just you to introduce yourselves. We'll start with Will. So Will, just give us a little background and how you got into Poetis. Hi, I'm Will Hill. I'm glad to be here today, and thanks for uh, the opportunity to join you guys. I've been connected with Poetis since about 2011, and I've been working pretty much with them since then. I got brought on initially to help with some creative elements, and then slowly over time, that kind of morphed into almost every department. So that's kind of a quick snapshot about me. And your background is creative arts? Yeah, my background is in design. Well, Abigail and John, go back just a little bit further. Maybe you can give us how you got into Poetis, and then we'll dig a little deeper. 
Yeah, so I'm Abby. This is John. Um, again, it's also really great to be with you guys today. Thanks for having us. I have been with Poetis since 2012. So near to the same time that Will came on board, I also bumped into Poetis as well. And John joined around 2015. Mm -hmm. My entrance to Poetis was I was really on a hard track towards doing humanitarian work. I was a senior in, in college and was looking to, you know, do good in the world and yeah, just make my mark or be part of something that was really good. And so my mind and my heart was set on humanitarian or social justice work. But then I met Jesus <laughs> along the way and he totally won my heart and really stole my affection and changed my trajectory from being towards doing a good thing to just loving him and responding to him and walking with him. And since that moment, I really personally set my whole life on seeing others also encounter him too, not to encounter religion, but to encounter the man. So as soon as that really happened for me, he just, he swept me off my feet and I just took a 180 and began to walk in the other direction and just really want to see other people come to have encounters with him that change everything about their life. So that was back in 2011 and really never looked back. I jumped on the team, I moved to Zambia in 2013 and have been just running hard together with this team really ever since then. So John mm -hmm. can speak to his own <laughs> intersection. Yeah. yeah. In 2013, my home church, I'm from South Dakota, so my home church had, was going on a short-term trip like Watermark often takes every year with Poetis, except for this crazy year. Um, and so I was, I signed up. I, I was also a senior in college, so I knew I had a long life behind a desk ahead of me as an accountant. So I wanted to take one last trip, one last hurrah. And so because I thought I would see the falls and see a seven one of the world, I'd go there. And didn't realize I was going to encounter Jesus and have him completely wreck my life and build it back up. And yeah, so my life really changed in 2013. And it was, it's just been kind of a process of following him and, and letting him guide every little step along the way. Abby happened to be our team leader at that, um, on that trip. And so that's where we met. Ah. And yeah, so we met and started spending some more time together and things like that. I remember, John, you said you walked into the room and you saw her and you said to yourself or somebody that I'm going to marry that woman. Is that accurate? Did you tell me that right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pretty close, I would say. Yeah. And that, that took a few years to, to, to sink in for her, but <laughs> it finally did. <laughs> I need to know a little bit more from each of you about because you go from leading a normal life, so to speak, living in the States or doing things, and all of a sudden you're living in Africa in Zambia. I mean, that's just like a crazy leap. How does one get from point A to point B in those cases? And each one answer for yourself, I think. Yeah, I can go first. Um, I think mm -hmm. for me, it took a, like a, a heart shift. It took a, an encounter. I don't know what other word to use than like an intersection or like a, a revelation of who Jesus actually is that I was like, I will do whatever and, and wherever you, you lead me. It sounds extreme to be like, I live in Africa. It sounds like a, a big deal, but really it's just one small step. You know, something we say a lot is that simple obedience changes history for the kingdom. And it's just one step. Mm -hmm. It's one step of obedience that leads to another step of obedience that leads to another step of obedience. I think for me, I remember this moment when I said, I want to go where I will need to depend on the Lord because I, I want to know him more and I want to put myself in a place where I have to depend on him. I have to know him. I have to lean into his word. I have to lean into his voice. I have to learn 
how to relate with him and how to know God. And I have to, I have to learn those things. So I was like, I, I want to go somewhere. I want to be sent to a place where I, I, I need him, where I, I have to depend on him so that I can grow in my faith, so that I can grow in intimacy with Jesus, so that I can learn to walk with him. And so, yeah, it was just one step, one act of obedience after the next, after the next um, that, you know, we look back and are like, well, I can't believe mm-hmm. where my feet are right now. But that the Lord clearly, I mean, he has, a, he has a purpose and a calling for each one of us, you know? And so it's believing that that is true and believing that he specifically sees me and knows me and, and knows what he has for me and for the kingdom through me and trusting that he will lead me. And it just takes one step for me to trust him and to, and to walk that out. It's so interesting. I work with a couple of people that are dealing with addictions, trouble, and their lives are a shambles. And they say the exact thing. It's one step at a time, one bad decision. It's those incremental steps that take you wherever you're going. Not There's not a big leap yeah. there. And, and, and you're telling me it's the same thing when you're following the Lord. It's just take the next step. He's a lamp under your feet. Take the next step. I, I love yeah. it. I love it. So just make a lot of good decisions in a row, and who knows where you'll wind up. That's great. Yeah. So, John, how about for you? Yeah, I think I'm realizing how much we underestimate how much God speaks to us and how much he leads us and guides us and, and can speak into every area of our life. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to have been called to say this yes and to go to Zambia. And that is one decision of a hundred other decisions I had to say yes to that he was asking me to say yes to before that. So that's kind of where I would, I would even challenge people to say, similar to what Abby's saying, what's the next yes he's saying to you? And I think just with the way the world is moving, we desire such a diverse staff from many, many countries. And I think that there is just, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but when, when someone from another uh, culture or country comes into a place, I've seen a lot of really successful African, Zambian people who come to America and are able to minister in greater ways. And so I actually feel like more and more people um, are going to start getting called to the nations and to different places from all over the world. So whether that's Americans listening, whether that's wherever they are, I think people are called outside of their comfort zone because they can make a bigger impact sometimes Mm -hmm. on a different culture in a different place. And we even see that with Jesus' own life, um, where he had to remove himself from his own group or area and go. So yeah, just little yeses again. I think that's one of the things. Yeah, that's great. Which leads us really nicely into basically that's what you guys do is you help people on that walk from saying the initial yes, and you actually train up people to go. And can you give us a kind of the 30,000 foot view of what your ministry is, what its focus is, mission? What is it that you guys do? Yeah, so our mission is to empower the church to fight for justice. And there's two really key points that I think are topics in that. One is the church. Who is the church? You know, the church is the global body of believers. It's um, those who love Jesus are walking with him, are committed to following him. Um, so we empower that body, those, those who are committed to Jesus and his kingdom, to fight for justice. You know, and, and what is justice? The simplest way that, that we define it is the way it is in the kingdom or the way it is in the house of God. And the ministry of Jesus, really, we're mimicking him and everything we do. And, and what he did is he just walked around. And when he encountered something that was out of alignment with the kingdom of God, he brought it into alignment. That's what he had eyes for is what needs to be brought back into alignment with what it's like in my father's house. You know, what he had enjoyed for forever. Now as he's, he's walking on earth, he's like, let me just restore everything back into alignment. And so that's 
really the simplest way we talk about justice. What is justice? It's what it's like in the kingdom. It's how we can align and restore things back into the way that God intended that they should be. You know, we believe that anywhere that the church is, everything should get better. (laughs) Um, That it should affect all aspects of society because believers have eyes and we we should continue to grow to have eyes to see how should this look. And, And with the authority that Jesus gives us, and with the love that he gives us to bring those things into alignment with the kingdom is really what we're after. And so that's what we do. You know, we do that through being the local church. So, you know, what we say is that we are the church first, you know, we can't empower the, the body unless we are the body. And so locally in Choma, we just, we're, we're a body and we pursue the kingdom. We pursue reconciliation in every way through relationships with people to God, um, with each other and with themselves. And so we're just after seeing justice restored individually and personally, and then also communally as in relationship with God as well, as that really is the foundation for everything. And so we are the church. And then we also train the church like you were, you were mentioning, Randy, too. This, this training is such a passion of ours to see people just ignited with the passion of the gospel um, and the reality of Jesus in their own, you know, I think identity and, and restoration of identity is, is such a a foundational component. And so how do we restore that in, in people and then see them begin to carry that into, you know, the same mission, you know, how can, how can we empower people to walk around and bring alignment into the kingdom, um, you know, wherever they go, whether that's in, in Choma, where there's injustice everywhere that meets the eye, or if it's different kind of injustice, you know, if it's racial injustice, if it's wealth and poverty, like, you know, this gap that's growing, all different kinds of injustice that, that we're seeing all over the globe, you know, what does it look like for the, for the body of believers to bring reconciliation to those things and to represent Jesus and and to represent the kingdom of God? So that's, yeah, that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. Just It's vague. It's it's, great. (laughs) Now, if I were to go to where you live there in Choma, what would I encounter? Our base of operation is is on um, how many acres? Well, like six acres or eight acres of land or something. Thirteen something. I don't can't remember. Thirteen and a half acres. The reason he's confused is because in Zambia they use hectares. Yes, that's why. I've gone metric. Yeah, so he's metric. So it's thirteen and a half acres. It's like six or seven hectares or something like that. Whatever the metric. So we have that base of operation and we're sandwiched between two very impoverished communities, Mapona and Kabanana. And so what we basically said is we've taken kind of the, the biblical model of, of Paul and said, we're going to go after this community until every single person is restored. And we see the kingdom literally tangibly into this place. And so, um, like Abby said, we have like a, a gathering that we would do on a, on a typical Sunday. Um, but we just believe that our church family is even more than that. So we have like, we have a ministry for adults, youth, kids, kind of these different age groups. And we work with each one of them um, in different ways throughout the week. Um, we take a lot of community outreach. It's very common in this culture that we would visit homes and visit and sit with them and talk with them. And so it's very communal culture. So as weird as it might be in America to go door to door, knock on homes and sit with people, it's very common um, in that culture. So we call it outreach and we do that on a daily basis. When there's not a COVID um, pandemic, we often, every week we would bring um, 500 or more kids um, to the base on a Wednesday and do kind of a program, things like that. 
You'd say 500? Yeah, 500. I think our I think our biggest was ever ever was 750 or something on a Wednesday. Kids. Yeah. And how many did you have to staff that? Uh, not enough. So the labors are few. <laughs> let's let's send some our way. We need some. All more. right. All right. It's insane, but, but overwhelmingly well organized. Like I was blown away when I saw it last year. I was like, I yeah. cannot believe this is happening, and kids aren't running all over the place. Oh. The last time Watermark was there, I think over three day camp, we saw 950 different kids come through our base. Yep. Wow. Um, so, so this is no small operation. Yeah. This is serious kingdom business. here, <laughs> Right. And so I think there's about 5,000 kids in Wapona. So we need another 4,000 to show up and then we've reached all the mm -hmm. kids. And so um, we're really getting strategic even with those numbers. And, and I think Wapona itself has about 15,000 people really sandwiched together in a very tight space. So we're going after all 15,000 and then hopefully see community after community get changed in, in Zambia. But yeah, so there's a lot of different rhythms. I think if you think about even yourselves at, at Watermark, what do you guys do throughout the weeks? Um, what do you do on a Sunday? A lot of those things are actually quite similar. We, we have camps that we'll have for kids or youth, um, extra you know, learning communities, um, outreach, gatherings um, for the adults, you know, all sorts of different rhythms just to grow them up raise them up, disciple them, and see their lives just radically changed. Mm -hmm. um, and then like Abby said, practically during parts of the year, you're gonna see training happening. So um, we're just launching two new training um, programs. Um, one being a six week uh, intensive, which is where anyone that's in ministry, missions, um, kind of has that, that drive to wanna do that. We'll, we'll get um, kind of launched out, get like fired up, for the gospel and so many different things. It's going to be very intense, lots of training. And then there's an extensive program that happens right after, which is about 20 weeks um, where you get very practical and will be kind of like an apprentice to a particular age group or a particular area. Like if you're a photographer or operations or kids ministry or youth, um, whatever that person maybe fits in best, um, whether it's locally or globally or wherever they come from, um, you'll see that too. If you're, if you'd show up on a, on any given day, you'd see someone in apprenticeship with our staff members. Um, so that's again, a little bit of a higher level still, but. Yeah. All right. I want to go now just the other way. Let's go to the specific. Can you tell me a couple of stories, one, two stories about an individual? Yeah. So one of our staff members, her name is Anita. Um, if anyone has been to visit us, they know her. Uh, she's hard to forget. She's wild um, and she is just on, on fire. Um, a couple of years ago, I mean, we've, I've known Anita since she was maybe 13, I want to say. Um, and she's lived a really tough life. Um, we actually have her story on our website if you want to learn some more about that. But the Lord um, just encountered her and, and turned her life around. She had a baby when she was 18, 17, maybe, um, and just had a lot of lashback from the community. But, but as this was all happening, she, she made a decision. She said, I will follow Jesus. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna abort this child. I'm not gonna give it up. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna use this and I'm gonna trust the Lord to, to lead me. Um, and this was kind of the moment where she said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my life to the Lord and I'm gonna follow him even amidst hardship, even amidst my own mistake. Um, and through her life, I would say that pretty much our entire church family has come to be part of our community because she has set such a, a crazy, wild, radical example of what it means to 
withstand persecution, if I, if I can use that word, just to say, you know what, no matter what comes my way, whether it's ridicule or gossip or slander um, or curses, you know, whatever comes my, I will stand firm. Um, and through her life, you know, we just had a, our, our final school of justice and mission. Um, there was 13 students that went through the program. Her father was one of those students um, and all of the other students know Anita. And they're like, man, her life is different and she has a light and she shines. And because she's done this, we get to too. And so just watching these other 13 students look at her and say, oh my gosh, I can do this because mm -hmm. she chose to go first. Um, and, and I think what's so exciting about Anita and, and these other young people really is that um, they've just, they're, they're gonna change this community. <laughs> you know, their, their decisions to say no more. Um, we're not gonna walk in those ways anymore. We're gonna actually get mm -hmm. to know the Lord. Not just like we're gonna live a good lifestyle and go to church and obey the rules, but their intimacy with Jesus and they're gonna walk with him mm -hmm. and, and um, have just been ignited and, uh, and like awakened to joy and peace. You know, all these things mm -hmm. that come with, with walking with the Lord, they, they're like, man, their situations in their life where they're coming from is tough, but their joy and, and their fire and passion mm -hmm. for the Lord for themselves, but also for their neighbors is yeah. just inspiring. And so I'm, I'm excited the way that, you know, the Lord's leading us to, to continue to press into training is also for for these guys you know who are like on fire and and want to be equipped and sent out to to be the change agents in their own communities trevor you've seen it from kind of more of a perspective that we would see you went there you saw it can you speak into this too of what you saw when you were there yeah absolutely actually as i was hearing them talk you know and i've had conversations with them about this before but the incredible thing about these programs that they offer and that they've offered in the past is that you don't necessarily need to be called into full-time ministry to, to get a ton out of these training programs. Yeah. So the right. design behind these and then how I've seen them play out with students that we from Watermark have sent over there is that regardless of what area of profession you are in, you, you could be in engineering, you could be in law, you could be in nursing, it doesn't matter. But now you're going to go over, you're going to experience a worldview uh, training and mentality. So how you can actually be a missionary in the workforce, whatever that looks like, even if it's in what we would call the secular workforce. Yeah. And so there's, we've, we've sent many students over to go through these programs and they come back and they're world changers in their circle of influence now, whether or not they're actual missionaries. But, and so that's what we're excited about the future as we continue to want to send more and more people over there to receive this exposure and this training, um, it's just, you can't go wrong with it. You don't have to be like, I'm, you don't have to be called into full-time missions. You're, all of us are called to be advancing the kingdom of God in some way, shape or form. And this helps train and empower people to do that. Right. You kind of alluded to before about people getting involved or you, you need more staff and stuff. Why don't you do more of a, a full explanation of how people can connect and maybe even come and join you? I mean, what would that look like? there's several ways to get involved for sure. I just love the challenge that it is to, to like, let's go, let's sign up. Let's, we need, we need people to be launched around the world to, to see the gospel carried out um, and the great commission carried out as well. And so I'm all for it. I'm like, if I meet anyone, I will say, Hey, let's go, let's do something. Let's be adventurous. Let's take on the challenge. Let's go. Um, God's calling people everywhere. But then I also think that there's, there's strategy in the kingdom there's strategy to do it. And I think that's something that our program really does well um, is, is it gives a great strategy to get people 
to to bring the gospel to the world. And so one of the outcomes potentially is to join the staff. So if you go through the the pipeline of the intensive and the extensive, um, we make a call if it's a good fit um, to join staff. And and I think you know strategically, and we we see growth happening over the next few years to see if we can launch out to some neighboring countries or communities or neighborhoods. Um, and we need more people to do that um, from all nations, and and that includes the U.S. And so I think uh, the first intensive starts in the end of May. You can find all this on the website as well too, but then um, you can flow into the extensive that's 20 weeks um, or, or come back in January to do the other um, extensive there. Um, a great way to get exposure too is a short-term trip, which um, you guys are taking one, I believe in, in July. So um, in the work trip. yeah, in the work trip, but I think that that's set. Um, but yeah, I think you know, just, just getting exposure to that, that can, that can launch you into being like, Whoa, I actually, something is different. My, my experience, you know, there's sometimes some bad rap for short-term trips, but my whole life was changed by a short-term trip. Mm-hmm. So I'll never knock on them because if I, if I didn't take that, my life would be yeah. the same. And so, um, just even challenging someone to take a short-term trip to, to be exposed and to be, um, just to see, like get your feet wet and, and you never know what the Lord's going to do with, mm-hmm. with that trip. So those are a few ways. And as, as Paul Gartley always says, a change of pace, change of place gives a change in perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think mm. that is so powerful, you know, is even just as we continue to take daily steps of obedience with the Lord is to, to help ourselves, like, get open eyes and, and get, you know, open our hearts up to see differently and to let the Lord speak in different ways is to, to go and get exposed to something different and change your worldview, like Trevor said, too. One thing I've learned since I've been with you guys, and I've, we've been on a few calls now together, is how important Will Hill is. Yeah. <laughs> He's not in Africa. He lives here. But without him, a lot of things wouldn't happen. And Will, if you could just talk to, how does somebody become a you where you're so glued into something, but yet it's so far away, and yet, how does that work? Well, I think I think it goes back to kind of some of the things that have already been mentioned, which is... I know for me personally, I was doing a lot of work in um, the more secular industries and had a lot of good creative jobs over the years in a bunch of different um, genres of work from fashion to film to whatever. And um, for me, it was that I never intended to work in or with the church or in missions. That was never really on my radar at all. But I got invited to work on a documentary in Guatemala City. And it was a it was a documentary about women who worked in the dump, and I remember that moment was just uh, when I was on that trip working on that film. That moment there was just something that shifted inside me. I don't know if it was a burn for you know just against injustice, but it was like I I should use what I've been given um, to benefit the kingdom and not just like some fill in the blank random company. I'm not I don't need to sell trend anymore. I don't need to sell you know whatever. Like I need to reorient my life. So kind of like what Abby said a second ago, like a change in placement, um, you know, a different perspective radically reoriented my, my approach to how I was going to utilize my gifts and also just like what I was going to pursue as a career. And so like um, shortly after I, I did that, I kind of just said, I'm going to leave this behind and I'm going to see what it looks like to just pursue um, trying to help in the world. Um, 
I spent a few years kind of just uh, working, leading an NGO that was just helping put kids in school, you know, like a very tangible development oriented thing. Like, hey, kids aren't in school around the world. There's a bunch of hurdles to why that is. Let's, uh, let's put them in school. And I did that for a number of years. And it's through that initiative is how I got connected uh, with Poetis. I was actually at a music festival promoting this, um, you know, development agency that does education and met some of the Poetis people. And um, we saw that they had some needs, you know, yada, yada, we, we became friends. And then, you know, uh, the more that I've been diving deep into just this over the last decade, I think the more and more and more I've realized just the nature of um, how critical people who are uh, Jesus followers in, in all aspects of, uh, you know, if you think about the body of Christ, it's diverse, you know, it's very, you can't, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And so not everybody and anybody is going to be a pastor, <laughs> you know, like it, it, you know, I know we're all called to minister in, in, in those ways, but there's different gift sets. My gift set is not, I'm not an orator. I'm not a, I'm not a pastor in that way, but I have a bunch of other things that I can provide and do because God's gifted me in those ways to build the kingdom and to grow the kingdom. And so like, I, I found myself getting bought out in that way because I was very different. You know, like I came from a creative field and I was like, how do I use creativity for the kingdom? And so all of those things for me push me in a direction to say, I don't live in Africa, but I am super connected to what they're doing because the heart of what is being done um, is in line with my own heart. And so like, I look at it like everything that I'm able to contribute um, in the way that I'm able to contribute is benefiting and um, furthering our goal collectively. Again, I know what you do and how much you bring to the table in terms of getting the word out, connecting people uh, to Poetis and just, and you do it so creatively. And, and like I said, we're, we're benefiting from that ourselves here. But the other thing I want to kind of make a point of, and I'll ask you guys over in Africa, can just an average guy come and be a missionary? Is that even possible? You know, the word missionary, I think has gotten, and Will would be, laugh at me because I usually take words and I really want to make sure that people are understanding what, we're saying when we say these these words that have so much meaning for so many different people and for so many different reasons um, and so the word missionary if you say that to someone you're going to get a big spectrum of, of what people think that word means and so i think we're all called to be missionaries and we're all called to to the great commission and we're all called to to bring the gospel wherever we go so can someone any average person come to zambia and and do missions work yeah of course um because none of us are average people because we're made in the image of God. So I think everyone can utilize their skills in every particular way. And God's crafted each person to do missions, to be a missionary. And yeah, of course, everyone's going to look different. Some people might do it professionally and some people might do it differently, but we're all called to be missionaries, all called to, all called to that mission. All right, John, let me ask a follow-up to that. Great. I'm going to give you five people to, let's just say, to come over and help you. Um, tell me what skill sets you want me to grab and throw your way. If you could pick five people, what would their jobs be to really help over there? What do you need right now? Oh, man. Anyone can help from my staff. That's a hard. I mean, what's hard about that question, I think, is that the laborers are few and the harvest is so plentiful. Like, 
we, man, like never before this year, because actually because of coronavirus, we have been forced to get out more um, and do less gatherings on our own property. And through that, we've been able to see that so many are actually unreached. Both they would say, I don't know Jesus, like straight up they would say that, which is crazy because Zambia is a Christian nation. And so people would be able to, to specifically say that. And also they will say, oh, I've been to church, but I don't know if I'm baptized. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm, you know, but I'm interested, you know? So people who maybe mm -hmm. their lives look nothing like what you would imagine that God can do anything with are the very same people who are like, I actually would love to, to mm -hmm. know more about this Jesus that you're talking about. Like, what does freedom sound like? What does it look like? How do I, how do I get to taste that? You know, it almost feels intangible because I think because of the, the group of people that we're serving is so impoverished, you know, so we were experiencing people who are desperate and, and act out of that desperation mm -hmm. in many ways for livelihood, for getting yeah. bread on the table. And so that, but that doesn't mean that there's not a hunger and maybe even a greater hunger for like, I, I'm going to taste this Jesus that you talk mm -hmm. about. I want to know what freedom is like. And so we're like, man, we're just, I think we've we're seen... sensing so much hunger and so much fruit right now. So yeah. it's like anybody, you know, it's, <laughs> it's so hard to say we want this kind of person because yeah. we want people who are, who are on fire for, for other people to come into the revelation of Jesus into his saving grace. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that, that's like, that's really all the requirement is because there's so much hunger for right. in our community. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, maybe that's number one, a person that will do whatever it takes mm -hmm. and go the, the furthest distances and, and be up for the challenge because it's not easy. Um, every day is not easy here. And so I think that's number one. I, I wouldn't even put a skill at the number yeah. one. It's someone who will do whatever it takes and accept the challenge and, and go. And someone that would be signing up for longevity. Yeah, I know um, that's not the question you're asking, Randy, <laughs> but it's so hard to answer it with specifics. So basically, you're looking for a willing heart. Yes. Yeah. And let me follow up too. I'm just wanting to get people head around the fact that they might be able to go. It doesn't take somebody with a special degree or anything like that. It's someone that loves Jesus a whole lot and is willing to say whatever. All right, so they say yes and they come there. Give us a snapshot of what it's like to live in Zambia. What would that be like? We've recently listened to a, a teaching um, on the danger of a single story and realizing how much we've been um, led to believe a certain thing about, about Africa, about Zambia, about, you know, um, but it's, I don't know, it's more developed than you would imagine, you know, like the town Choma that we live in, there's how many people in Choma? I think 60,000. Yeah. So it's a mm -hmm. small city. Um, you know, there's a grocery store and a gas station. Electricity and, and electricity water. And water. Yeah. How far would I have to go to see wildlife? Monkey is not very far. 100 kilometers, you'd see stuff. Yeah, like in Livingston, yeah. yeah. There's, you know, mm -hmm. zebras and giraffes and elephants. I just remember how beautiful driving through uh, Africa, yeah. the yeah. parts I've been to. I've only been to, to Kenya and South Africa, but you just get out in the drive and it's just, beautiful. it's different. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same in the sense there's trees and roads, and, but it's different foliage. The, the night sky is just amazingly different. Yeah. It's the same and totally different at the same time. And it's just so beautiful there. That's my recollection. You know, I think too, to answer that question further, it's, you know, that's, it's also just as diverse as living in America can be, you know, where you're going to find people who have no electricity, 
who use a bucket to bathe, to have a well, and that's a 10 minute walk away for some people. Yes, you have access to a lot of things if you decide to have access to them. And there's going to be a group of people that also don't have access Mm -hmm. to uh, clean water, to, to food on the table, to, to things like that. And so for us, it's, it's that we really learned a lot from this, this teaching on the danger of a single story, because I would say in most of the world now, um, you're going to find pockets of, of development in any country. Um, and you're going to find pockets of extreme poverty and, and lack of development as well. So for us, you know, you're going to see, it's a big spectrum of what it could be or what, what it couldn't be. But, um, our 13 acres of, of property and that, that base we're developing in a big way. And we have running water. We have those things at that property. Um, we have coffee at our coffee shop. Ooh. And yeah. Come on America. That's why I'm coming. I'm coming for the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I think, but I also want to quick, even go back to your question about who, I think what you said, willing heart is, is priority number one, but I, Maybe just saying a few different, um, you know, smaller things that that just to get people's minds kind of turning. Yes, you yes, know, yes. Like exactly. we we just are about to launch our coffee shop for the the community. So like baristas or people who have experience in small business, um, those would be huge people to mm-hmm. to join the staff. Um, if someone has ministry background or doesn't and has a heart for it, we have the age groups of of kids and youth and adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have a team there in Zambia that's an operations team. So we have photographers and social media people and um, coffee shop and people who like to, to have hospitality. You know, there's a, there's a wide range of gifts that we need. Um, and so, like you said, there's opportunities for so many different people to, to use, utilize their gifts through our ministry. I was just going to piggyback on that. I mean, like even things like people who are good with their hands who could do maintenance type things or people that a mechanic yeah mechanic or agriculture or you know like there's a whole range of skill sets that will be really beneficial yeah that's that's the thing i noticed when i was out and about missions is they need everything just like here you need everything that's fantastic trevor i want to pull you back into your favorite moment when you were there share something with us from your experience there because i know you've been there more than once yeah i think what i've been captured by Africa in general is just their heart and their passion for worship and poetics in general as well. And so as a worship leader for so many years, being immersed in Western culture and Western worship styles and all sorts of stuff like that. And just the Wesleyan, you know, denominational, the way services look around here, which is, which are great. And there's nothing wrong with them, but to go over there and see something totally different and totally unique and people just kind of completely let go when it comes to worship and you can be a part of a worship experience that's got thousands of people and you can be a part of a worship experience that has 15 people in a small room and the power and the energy is no different in either one of those and so to learn from that and take that back as a worship leader for myself and I mean I don't do that as much now but it's still my lifestyle we all worship every day something anyway and so you know we often get mixed up with just music being worship and we we know that's not the case, but even just musically for me, seeing that over there, it, it just enlightened me in so many ways. And so there's many stories I could go into about how I've seen that play out, but it just expanded everything. Actually, my first time I went over there and experienced that, I came back and I was angry. Like I was upset. I was like, why isn't it like this here? Why, why don't we worship like they do over there? But I had to be checked by that because it's not, that's not the attitude that we should be coming back from these experiences like 
So I learned over the years to take the beauty and to take the, the power of what I experienced in Africa and apply that within our culture and context here, which isn't wrong. It's just different. Mm -hmm. And to be able to take what our culture and experiences are in the, in, in the Western culture and bring pieces of that over there when I go over as well. And so to be able to unify these worlds in small, tangible ways without you know stepping on the other culture, but embracing the other culture, that's what I learned over the course of my several times there. I, that's just one many of many things, but, mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, I could go into detail about specifics, but I, I don't, I just don't have the time, <laughs> but that's the generality. Trevor, let me just follow up with one question. You've taken tons of people over there. What does it do to people that go there and come back? It completely blows their worldview. That's what I mentioned earlier. And so, it expands everything. It, it, it makes them realize, oh, the way that I do things here isn't the only way to do it. Yeah. And there's so many more ways in which God is at work and his kingdom looks so different. It doesn't look like the only thing I've ever been exposed to for the, for the 15, 16 years of my life. If you take a high school student over and, or even you take uh, somebody my age over there for the first time and it does the same thing. It's like, things are different. The world is different. God's kingdom is not just Hamburg, New York. Mm. It's mm -hmm. global and it, and he works in unique and powerful ways. And we can learn from all of those cultures and improve and learn from one another. And so that's what it does. People go over there, they, their minds are changed. They look at life differently. That's why short-term missions trips are so powerful because it only takes a few days in a culture to realize and put into perspective, like back to the whole change of pace, change of place perspective thing. It, it, it really is true. And so anybody, anybody should go and experience some sort of a different culture. And yeah, there's ways we can do that even within our own city, but it's, there's something powerful about going over and, and seeing the, these things. You have your preconceived notions of what it's like, and then you realize, whoa, it's super different, but it's also super similar. Mm -hmm. And so how do they come together? That's great. So do you guys want to do like an official invitation for people to come visit you over there? Yes. Come visit us. <laughs> Is that official? Well, we're going to be with you guys in a few days uh, for equipping weekend and we'll be with you Friday night um, and Sunday as well. And so please find us, Will, myself or Abby. Uh, we'd love to talk with you guys about any trips, any trainings that we, that we have. If you have questions, um, we'd love to get together with you um, in any way possible and invite you out officially to Zambia. And anybody can get a hold of me here at the church or Denny Willis, who loves to come and visit you guys too. Yeah. And so if, if, connect with either of us and we'll figure out a way to make it happen. But uh, we're so excited to have you as part of our partner uh, ministries because uh, you've done so much profound changing in people's lives by just spending time with our people and connecting them to the purpose that God has for them. And uh, I'd like to officially thank you for being with us today. Will, John, and Abby, just thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you. It was great to be with you guys today. We'll see you soon. Man, what a great interview. Uh, it was so great to hear from Abby and John and Will and you and Trevor. What did you enjoy in particular about having a chance to talk with them? Well, I almost could envision some of the things, and I think just having that conversation, just listening to them, and then some of the things that Trevor was saying, and also having other conversations with Trevor, I'm almost starting to picture what it's like there. And I have seen a few pictures, but I'm really looking forward to 
the trips to come and actually connecting and, and actually seeing what those classrooms are like at the uh, when they do the, the trainings. And the fact that they're, you know, we as a, a body are able to help actually scholarship some of the folks that will be going into those uh, training and building missionaries that will serve all over the world. It's, it's cool to think about training missionaries in other countries to go into other countries. And it's like at the heart of everything. Yeah, that's great. I, I really hope some listeners will get involved. I'm looking forward to having Poetis here for the Equipment Weekend coming up here in October. Um, check out the church website for more details on that. As always, we'll have all pertinent links and information in the, the episode notes. Uh, so please go ahead and check there if you are looking to learn more about Poetis. You can also reach Randy and me at reach and teach at watermarkwesleyan.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to see you get involved in Poetis. Thanks for listening and have a great day.